Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, a national women's current affairs program produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne on Wondery Country of the Kulin Nations and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Aoife Cook. grow up with one clear message about recreational drug use. Drugs are bad, just say no. Later, we might make different personal decisions about using them. Legal and illegal, slow acting and explosive. Our decisions may be influenced by our ethics, how we understand the highs and lows, our thoughts on substance trafficking or big pharma, or simply how we want to have a good time or heal ourselves. Drug law reform and the research and knowledge it's based on usually falls down on just two contrasting approaches. To ban recreational drug use outright with a clean up the streets and a zero tolerance law and order approach or accepting the reality that people do use party drugs and focusing on the best ways to reduce problems associated with that referred to as harm minimisation. On this week's Women on the Line, we'll hear from three guests on this topic. Nevena Sporovska from grassroots campaign High Alert. Stephanie Janitas from Dancewise, once a grassroots campaign and now supported by Health Promotion Victoria. And Jelaine Allen, an adjunct associate at the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre. My name's Nevla Spirovska and I'm the founder and campaign manager of High Alert. My background is in politics, but since retiring from party politics, I've moved into grassroots campaigning. So I'm incredibly active in Melbourne nightlife and that's been something that's incredibly beneficial to my development as a person, socially, mentally, and it's something that I've really engaged in. I've seen the positivity of it in people coming together in a context to celebrate music or celebrate art and culture. And yes, drugs are a part of that. We have to create policies and information and safety nets for people um, who choose to use them and just have that acknowledgement that in 2017, we cannot arrest our way out of this and we need to be moving forward in a way that keeps people and policies in mind together and it's not just policies that uh, infringe on punishments. So tell me about High Alert. What is it and what do you guys do? It initially started as a response to Operation Safe Night, which was an announcement from the Victoria Police um, in April in 2017 that they were going to employ the use of sniffer dogs, highway patrol, razor task force and undercover police officers to infiltrate and monitor the nightclub precincts in Paran and St Kilda. 
as a response to the tragic overdoses that occurred earlier in the year in the area when people took drugs that they were informed were MDMA and then turned out to be something very different altogether. What we've been doing is providing a counter to the operation by being out and about uh, when the police are in St Kilda and Paran, by providing resources and legal information online through our videos and nightclub posters and letting people know their rights and responsibilities when it comes to dealing with the police and sniffer dogs. Okay, and how has Hylers evolved? We started in April and what we noticed at first with the media attention we were getting, we were able to change the perception and also provide a counter-narrative to Operation Safe Night itself. So by speaking to Triple J, by speaking to Joy FM and engaging the independent youth and queer media, we were able to provide a response to what was otherwise a very one-way um, campaign from the police to the Herald Sun to the public and just creating a greater awareness and discourse of things like what really is harm reduction and how we can engage people in that as opposed to just arresting them if they were found in possession of drugs. Well, let's answer that question. What is harm reduction and what, what's your, what are your thoughts on the benefits of it compared to a criminalisation approach? Certainly. The police have been using the language of harm reduction, so it's almost come to mean whatever you define it as. So uh, the Victoria Police did a press release which announced that their harm reduction was reducing the supply of drugs through the policing of areas that were known to contain drugs like nightclub precincts. For us, harm reduction is information. By engaging with methods such as drug checking, pill testing as it's most commonly known, allowing people to have information about the substance they're taking is truly reducing harm because if they know what they're taking is not what it is advertised as so, they won't do it. We have examples of this happening overseas, um, working examples where this is now best practice and in order to save lives, we need to employ it here in Australia. What policies or approaches are, you know, what you'd consider maybe the best and the worst in Australia? At the moment, I would say the worst is another campaign I'm working on at the moment, which is the counter to the drug welfare policy. What we're seeing there is a proposal for 5,000 new people that are joining NewSouth and Youth Allowance to have to randomly pass a drug test in order to get Social Security. If they fail, there is an extreme raft of measures uh, and punishments that they have to face. Everything from having to pay for further drug testing, uh, from being degraded in the way that they have to reveal any uh, prescription medicine that they may be on to a third party in order to not have a false positive test and if that false positive does happen they would then have to pay for an additional test it's counterproductive it's humiliating and it just creates a stigma around people who use drugs who might do so medicinally or recreationally and also people who are seeking our social benefits one of the better policies that we've seen and something that's slightly more encouraging is the possibility of drug checking in Canberra. So if something like this does happen, we'd be able to use that as a pivot to potentially do that in Victoria. And that's ultimately what so many campaigners and organisations would like to see. And then internationally, what do you look to? 
I look to uh, the Netherlands, uh, which have a lot more established drug checking measures, which have policies that incorporate drugs into everyday life and then just have a broader acknowledgement that people do use drugs and that we need to move away from punishing these people who choose to do so and ensuring that there is avenues for support if people find that they're having an issue or a problem with them, but also just that greater acknowledgement that drugs itself isn't a problem, bad drug policy is. My name's Stephanie. I'm the coordinator of the Dancewise program at Harm Reduction Victoria. Um, my background is in law, humanities, and alcohol and other drug studies. I've um, been with the Dancewise program for five years now uh, in the coordinator role for the last four. It was actually like a, a nice kind of a crossover between uh, personal interest and uh, professional interest. Um, I've been going, oh, I'm going to show my age now, um, I've been going to outdoor festivals for about 18 years now. Um, yeah, so from my mid-teens and uh, no, I absolutely love the community because um, it's not just about um, partying, it's um, it's about coming together as a community and it's the place where I learned things like how to recycle properly and what is permaculture. My first favourite um, was the gathering uh, on Takaka Hill, New Zealand. It was listed to be the seventh best event to be at um, at the Millennium. Then um, I've been coming over for Rainbow Serpent, coming over to Melbourne uh, for about a dozen years. And um, there's many wonderful festivals that we go to regularly as dance-wise or that I might attend um, like uh, in my personal capacity. Yeah, I travel interstate um, or overseas to go partying. What party drugs are people taking nowadays and to what music and what party scenes are kind of out there? It's almost like you have to kind of think about uh, the past 10 years as radically different. And so you can't even ask questions like, oh, is, is it a case of um, progressing from ecstasy to LSD? It's not that simple. The proliferation of novel substances is it just cannot be, its impact cannot be underestimated. Um, about 2005, that was when online shopping uh, gained a lot of momentum. So you had a lot, a lot more packages uh, in international and domestic posts, uh, and people purchase can purchase substances through the dark web um, or order them from countries where they where novel substances may have a grey status and they might get through um, border force. Uh, what do you mean so, by grey status? Uh, as in they're not regulated in the country that they're made, so maybe uh, somewhere like China uh, or India. Um, they, they, they are... Novel substances in the sense that it's a new compound that's been put together, so it's not scheduled. So the, the mechanisms that regulate drug laws or regulate what substances are prohibited um, are generally scheduled. And so we've kind of moved past that because you can't um, add to that list fast enough to keep up with all the substances. There's not very many people who want to to have a substance that's unknown to them. They're generally seeking out a certain kind of experience. For example, I would say that 
across the board. Um, after cannabis, the most commonly sought after illicit substance, um, at least in the music event and festival scene, would be ecstasy or like um, uh, MDMA mm -hmm. uh, in either pressed pill form or crystal form. That is the, the that is the experience that is most commonly um, sought after, although that's not actually, it's not necessarily the substance that you would find it the most common at all types of music events and festivals. It can vary. It can vary depending on the specific scene. Um, I would say that softer mushrooms or hallucinogens would be more common at some of the regional multi-day festivals yeah. um, and if there's a festival where maybe um, ecstasy is the commonly sought after drug, maybe like a commercial metropolitan based event they, there's often a lot of alcohol at those events as well and that's where the majority of issues like um, was, yeah we kind of have shot ourselves in the foot in the way that we regulate, we just put this one substance um on a pedestal as mm. though it's fine because it's legal, even though it's actually quite a toxic substance for anyone's body. And um, the the culture surrounding alcohol use in this country, it's so normalized. Um, binge drinking is very common um, and a lot of uh, property crime and acts of aggression follow on from that binge drinking culture and like I think until we really own that we're not going to have a mature and balanced um, understanding of any other form of substance use. You're listening to Women on the Line, I'm Aoife Cook. We're talking about recreational drug use and reducing any harms which come from this. I'm speaking to Stephanie Janitas from Harm Reduction Victoria. So you're with DanceWise. It's a health promotion and harm reduction education and support program. We do outreach at events and festivals. Um, the program comes from grassroots origins uh, and is it evolved um, to come under the administration of Harm Reduction Victoria and receive Department of Health and Human Services um, funding. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, essentially it is a, a hub. We often operate now in our formal model, we operate next to the on-site health um, provider, so it's first aid or medical, depending on the scale of the festival. We are like an auxiliary health service. We do proactive health promotion, offering people um, education and guidance about strategies to reduce risk involved with um, their partying practices. Um, and then if someone is uh, intoxicated or experiencing any kind of distress at a festival, we offer solace. We are first aid trained, but we're not a first aid provider. Yeah. And we also undergo a range of other trainings, um, including... Um, you know, information about neuropharmacological effects of um, substances. Uh, and we also do uh, training with CASA, that's uh, Centers Against Sexual Assault, uh, just so that we could, in uh, the unfortunate event that someone is um, 
experiences some kind of gender-based violence or harassment, uh, we can deal with that in a culturally appropriate way. That's great. Um, or as best as we can. It's a holistic um, well-being Sort yeah. of, uh, service that we're offering. And I know um, you work with peer educators. If I was yeah. one of your peer educators, describe my typical Saturday night scene at a festival, what it looks like, what I'm doing. Mm, I think that the typical is that it's there isn't a typical. I think it's really easy to stereotype, particularly the multi-day festivals, and we've seen that a lot in the media this year, um, a lot of uh, criticisms about them being unsafe. Um, the events that we go to are all permitted. They have emergency services on site. Uh, a typical Saturday night at one of those festivals... Uh, People dancing. Oh yeah, at the festival, people dancing, yeah. like having a lo- having a lovely time. Many of these festivals are family friendly, so you know, like uh, people might be at a cinema in the lifestyle area, or you can even like book a table and go dining um, at some of the um, some of the food stalls, uh, or get a massage. But yeah, a lot of dancing, and in our tents, well, that's essentially people that might be, um, yeah, they they might be experiencing. Um, distress or um, intoxication Um, but yeah they might just want a little place to go um, revive um, get some electrolytes have some chill time you know maybe um, it's just a little bit too exciting outside so I mean inside our chill space can actually be like a really nice um, chill space uh, where people are information sharing and just taking a little bit of time to prioritize their self-care. That's great. And when you, you mentioned earlier that you work from a harm reduction approach. What, yeah. what does that really mean and, and what does it look like? Yeah, so I think uh, harm reduction doesn't have a fixed definition, mm-hmm. um, but it is really important to understand it as um, is quite unique. It's So in Australia, our harm minimization, which is a drug policy model that incorporates um, three strategies that in order for this like, drug policy model to work well, there must be balance and collaboration between all three. Supply reduction, that's enforcement efforts. Demand reduction, that's alcohol and other drug treatment and preventive, educa- preventative education. And then harm reduction, which is pure pragmatism. You, you're not trying to overtake for someone and um, push them, say, down the path of admins or encouraging them to re- rehabitualize. You're looking at what they're doing right here and now and um, identifying the risks and just trying to reduce the likelihood of those risks um, continuing to exist and leading to harm. That's all that it is. So you can, So what harm reduction is can be tailored to the specific setting. My name's Jelaine Allen. I'm a researcher and practitioner in drug and alcohol which broadly speaking means looking at what sorts of interventions help people and who it is that drug and alcohol workers work with. And so you have quite a lot of experience both in looking at, you know, drug research, but also working with people with, um, 
maybe substance use problems in terms of harm reduction or criminalisation of drugs, where do you kind of fall in that debate or what would you feel are good policies for the Australian states? I really think that we should decriminalise illicit drug use because people who get caught with having used a drug or or caught with a small amount of drugs uh, may have a problem that's affecting their health or their well-being, but they get shuffled into the into the criminal justice system and that's no place to address that problem. That's just um, punishment. Lots of countries have taken the approach of decriminalising drug use and directing people to the health system instead of the criminal justice system and they and those countries haven't experienced an increase in drug use because of that. So you don't... Um, people don't use drugs or not use drugs in case they go to jail. You know, it's for a different reason. So um, I think decriminalisation is definitely the answer. When we're thinking about drug law reform, we tend to hear from experts and not users. I asked researcher Julaine Allen about where we get our knowledge on drug use and the problems with hearing users' voices in traditional research. Probably a lot of drug and alcohol workers, you know, like people that work in needle and syringe programs and those sort of harm minimisation type programs. They're, I mean, they're talking to people who use drugs. Um, they're talking every day to people who use drugs every day. And so they do have an understanding of their life and their circumstances and that sort of thing. But there's a, a disconnect between their understanding and the people that are using those drugs talking to the researchers and then that being, you know, reported as research, I guess. But would it be fair to say that, you know, in that context that professionals are meeting people with kind of more severe problem drug use? Yeah, there's a huge range. So most people that use illicit drugs um, will not experience any particular problems or dependencies or and this is with legal drugs as well, um, like alcohol. Most people that use drugs um, don't experience any problems related to the drug itself. Sometimes they experience problems related to their intoxication, like doing something stupid when they're intoxicated or you know falling over or you know having an accident, that sort of thing. Um, but most people don't become dependent on the drugs that they try or use occasionally. It's just when it becomes regular or habitual or, you know, people are are using those drugs to get through the day that we're talking about a problem. I guess researchers who come into contact with people through drug and alcohol treatment centres or on the street, um, I can think of a guy in the States who researches um, heroin use. So his his research is with people who are um, injecting heroin, on buying it on the streets, injecting it on the streets, and um, he researches how they use it, what they use, what they like about it, and the positive and negative effects that it has on them. And he does that ethically and legally through different approval processes. So... You know, I guess he's really researching illegal drug use that um, doesn't apparently have a connection to health and well-being or the ways that that drug could be used medicinally. 
he had to get in, in um, a recent study that I read of his, he had to have approval from uh, different authorities in different countries to be able to not have to report these heroin users to the police because they were buying and selling and using illegal drugs while he was watching and filming them yeah. um, for the purposes of research. So I, I think that is really rare. I think, you know, lots of researchers use data sets and um, look at, you know, demographic characteristics of people and try and tr draw conclusions from that. There's not that many out there doing that sort of on the streets, um, tell us what your life is like research. When the people most affected by and engaged with substances cannot have their voices and priorities heard, bad policies and laws are created. I asked Stephanie from DanceWise more about upcoming legislative changes. So at the moment we have um, a really concerning amendment um, that's going to be heard by uh, our parliamentarians here in Victoria. It's an, it's an amendment to the Drugs, Poisons and Controlled Substances Act and it means, it's a catch-all. It means essentially anything that's psychoactive and the definition of psychoactive is troubling because it can include things potentially like avocado, um, but anything that is used to um, experience an altered state comes under the Act even if it doesn't exist yet because um, new substances are created on a more than daily basis, essentially. Is there any other policies that are coming up at the moment or legislative reform that you're looking to? In regards to Victoria, the strange thing about this bill that is going to be heard very soon, this amendment to the Drugs, Poisons and Controlled Substance Act, is it's happening in the middle of this very um, eagerly awaited uh, parliamentary inquiry into drug law reform. We have more than 200 experts and um, peak bodies and organisations in the alcohol and other drug sector uh, have made submissions. So those findings will be out in March. It makes sense. It makes no sense to have a radical reform um, in the middle of that process. It's not based on evidence. It's a knee-jerk reaction, um, I believe. My ideal would be that we would have uh, a drug policy model similar to the, the Portuguese model. Uh, they dr Drug-related harm was their number one concern around the time of the turn of the millennium, and now it's dropped off their radar um, they, because they started identifying drug use as a health concern and not a matter for um, the criminal justice system. And the actual instance of drug use went down as well. So it's a win-win if you adopt that model. Um, and within that... Um, they decriminalised. Decriminalise all substances uh, just for the offences of use and possession of small amounts for personal use. Women on the Line does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. If you are concerned about your drug use or that of a friend, you can call Family Drug Support on 1300 368 186 or check out information on your state-based service. On this week's Women on the Line, you've heard from Nevna Sporovka from High Alert, Julaine Allen from the National Drug and Alcohol Research Centre, 
And just now you heard Stephanie Janitas from Dancewise. Music was produced by Simona Castricum. More details and links are at 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. 